Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. Welcome to interview number 103 with Principal Trumpet of the Boston Symphony Orchestra, Thomas Rolfs. This interview with Thomas happened back in July of 2020, and I knew he was funny then, but then when I went back to edit, I realized just how droll and dry and funny he could be. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. Of course, you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to also watch them on the Studio HFL YouTube channel. The channel recently went over 100 subscribers. Thank you guys very much. And we are getting close now to 150, so let's keep it going and see how soon we can reach that mark. While you're at it, I would encourage you to visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and a review. That would be greatly appreciated. If you're interested in keeping up to date on releases and who's scheduled and merchandise and all that other good stuff and to get the newsletter you can go to studiohfl.com and sign up for the newsletter there you can also find show notes and other information about my guests here's a shout out to my patreon patrons for their generous support of the show you guys have uh, made this so much easier from the very beginning and i really appreciate your support if you would like information on how to become a part of the Studio HFL community, you can go to patreon.com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support from which you can choose, and they start for as little as $3 a month. And now a word from the show sponsors. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. There's an incredible line of mouthpieces, both custom and stock, that you can choose from with expert guidance from Eric Marine. And the Blackburn trumpets are the choice of pros like Vince DiMartino and David Hickman. Design, execution, delivery, and customer service driven. You can find out more at picketblackburn.com. Brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. Don't forget about options for mouthpiece pouches or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at messinacovers.net. One of the great things about small business is that you get the opportunity to provide exceptional customer service while delivering exceptional product. At Hammond Design, Carl Hammond provides a line of stock mouthpieces for trumpet, cornet, mellophone, trombone, and tuba, and custom orders for all of those plus flugelhorn. All made possible because Carl listens to you and then creates a piece to your specs. Everything is better in HD, and you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. The Eastman Music Company has become a force to be reckoned with by manufacturing and delivering high-quality instruments across the board. Eastman Winds provides a line of brass instruments from beginner to pro, and you know they're invested in the quality of every instrument when the one and only Doc Severinsen was asked to design their beginner trumpet model. Find out more at eastmanwinds.com. S.E. Shires, another division of the Eastman Music Company, offers a complete line of brass instruments for the discerning musician. Stock instruments are available, but custom orders are where Shires has made their mark. Myself, as both an Eastman and Shires artist, I can attest to the quality of horn in my hands no matter what my performance situation. You can find out more at seshires.com. And now, on to my interview with Tom Rolfs. You want to go Thomas or Tom? Tom. Tom Rolfs, good morning. Uh, no, actually, actually, call me Maestro. Maestro. Uh, should I, should I, I tell you what, that's staying in. That's going to be the official intro. If you me Maestro, then I have to one-up them and I call him Your Highness. Your Highness. And we call Sachs just Mr. Sachs. They just leave it right at that. You know? Yes. You know, and it, it's funny because I've interviewed both of them, and I asked uh, 
Michael, if it was Mike or Michael, and he said Michael, you know, he prefers the the full name there, and um, I appreciate that, you know, and, and like I was asking, I, I want to make sure I, I don't call you, hey, you. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, I, I try to call Michael uh, Michael, but I think Dave went to Juilliard with Michael, and mm-hmm. I think back then it was Mike, so I think, uh, yeah. so sometimes I get thrown off because Dave calls him Mike, and then I... And I call him Mike, and I realize, oh, wait, you know, it has to be Michael. So, <laughs> so well, good. Um, well, I got everything I need. That's great. Uh, okay. Nice <laughs> talking to you. We'll <laughs> next time. Well, I tell you, it, it's a real trip getting to do these interviews because I finally get to talk to uh, people that, well, unless I come to a concert and try to sneak backstage, you know, it's not going to happen. So yeah, yeah. this has been great. Uh, and get... Sneaking backstage is all, always a little awkward, isn't it? Yeah, I'll, but we know, right? We musicians know just how to do that without looking uh, conspicuous. Yeah. Well, um, how are things these days? Well, these are strange you know, times, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they're different, you know, for the... I'm doing a fair amount of teaching, so for the for the kids, you know, I have to, like, be really positive and be forward thinking and you know but, but like on the inside I'm kind of weeping <laughs> but um, but they're in a different spot in their career so this is their moment to when everyone else is kind of confused and maybe not putting the time in this is their moment to really mm-hmm. put in the time and then uh, improve by leaps and bounds yeah. so I'm at a different you know spot in my career obviously because I'm kind of towards the back end of it and so you know um Motivation for me is more like, what will I have to play when I go back to work, you know, or mm-hmm. what, what projects will, will, uh, what projects will they um, come up with me in the BSO that I should be ready for? Because I actually, I finished a bunch of um, Leroy Anderson stuff for the Boston Pops, and then I decided I'm going to take, like, a really big chunk of time off, like a month off or six, which mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I've never, I've, I've never done that um, mm-hmm. in my life. So, just kind of see. And then I, you know, I started golfing. You know, this, mm-hmm. well, I, I golfed when I was a kid, but I realized golfing is not as much fun as I had hoped. To, <laughs> to, to avoid frustration, that might not yeah, be the best, yeah. the best, best yeah, choice. Right, right. So I'm curious about the Leroy Anderson thing. Of course, you know, there's more than just sleigh ride, and and Bugler's Holiday, right? I mean, yeah. there's. Uh, oh, in fact, they did one this past season, uh, Gallop. I think it was. Um, flew by. I mean, it was a wonderful, wonderful piece, but, uh, yeah. you know, one of the lesser known pieces, I think. So yeah. what, well, we, which, we, which, we, we did, uh, we did a bugler's holiday, uh, for four, arranged for four trumpets, uh, acapella. Nice. Um, and that was very cool. That actually came off really well. Um, and then I did trumpeter's lullaby with Keith Lockhart accompanying. Mm. And nice. I was happy with that. And then Tom Siders did Blue Tango with Keith accompanying. Mm-hmm. So those were the that was the Leroy Anderson set. So that was fun. We nice. had fun with that. Yeah. Um, and I yeah so yeah so I did that and yeah and we we've done all that Leroy Anderson. We're you know Boston Pops and Leroy Anderson. That's 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 a connection. You know just mm-hmm. it is what it is. So mm-hmm. most most of the pieces he wrote for the Boston Pops. Well, I just so, learned yeah. something new today. I I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he was. I think he lived in Boston, and, and mm-hmm. he and Arthur. I think Arthur Fiedler actually 
like they, 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 the two of them, you know, collaborated and all mm-hmm. that, all that stuff. There's so much mm-hmm. interesting stuff that we play. It's not yeah. just sleigh ride, and you know, there's all sorts, all sorts of uh, things that you like in the that you probably have heard, and you go, oh, I recognize that tune, and then, yeah. then you realize, oh, that's Lee Rand. So you know, I'm I'm wondering if you, I, I suffer the same. Uh, well, suffer is not the right word. Whenever we rehearse a Leroy Anderson piece that's not sleigh ride, mm-hmm. I'm always tempted in rehearsal to put a horse whinny at the end. Oh, yeah. come on, yeah. come on, Larry! You have to be more clever than that. that that's <laughs> too many people come up with that idea. So you got to do something. You have to come up with something different and risky. Okay, okay. Huh. Well, I'm a risk like, taker. So <laughs> well, like in the in the Boston Pops. Now, this is I didn't I haven't played Christmas Pops in a while because I at some point in my career. But after I left. And the discipline went way downhill after I left. Because, like, when I'm there, they behave themselves. Uh, and so so now they have this big... Yeah, are you rolling your eyes at me, Larry? Uh, no, my wife just walked by, so that's my excuse. So now they have this big horse head, like, literally. Oh, yeah, like a, in the, and then they stick the trumpet in the, the in the horse mouth and they you know it's like it's so, it's so silly yeah but you know the audience loves that stuff oh yeah sure they do yeah yeah but you have to let keith know what's going on he doesn't like to be surprised which i don't blame him like he wants to he wants to say okay you can do that oh i don't think you can do that you know so so he sometimes the sometimes the boys get a little carried away and then they get they get a little um they get a little, you know, conversation with, with you know, the people sure. that are responsible for presenting this to the public. Yeah. My wife is all, a violinist. All in good fun, though. It is in good fun. And, you know, I was going to say, my wife's a violinist, and we play in several regional groups together. And she's like, you know, the brass section, we end up losing it at some point in rehearsal every time. And it's just, you know, I think she's jealous that the strings can't get away with that sort of thing. Well, I think, uh, you know, our music director, Andres, sometimes I think he looks back and we're having fun back there. And at first they go, was was Andres getting irritated with us? I was, no, no, I think he wishes he could be back there with us. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, they're having fun, but I wish I could sit with them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've learned over the years that second trumpet player is the most important I think I, I play principal in in uh, a few regional orchestras here in Indiana, and a good second trumpet player makes you sound great. Yeah, well, you know that's what we have in, we have that in Boston, and I remember t- uh, uh, lessons with Mr. Chickowitz, and like you know he would have me stay late and then you know try to because he was getting ready for a class or something, so we played duets, and you know, he was just such a great player. That, mm-hmm. that. Now I have that with Ben Wright in Boston. So. So when do you get elevated to the position of maestro, when they can actually put that on your contract? Well, that's only, yeah, it's a good question. Let's ask Bilger that. Yeah. See if I can get some more people calling me maestro. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's how I'm going to title this when I, when I uh, publish oh, it. God. Only Bilger calls me maestro. Oh, no, the, the orchestra chauffeur, he calls me maestro. But he calls everyone maestro. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, how are you enjoying the teaching uh, here during, well, the virtual teaching well, the last I, few months? I, I like it because I, I, I feel kind of uh, useless. Um, so I'm enjoying, um, I mean, I, I, I like the kids and I like, I like, uh, and, they're, and they're, you know, starved for, uh, you know, applying for people and some instruction. And so um, it's, so the spirit is really positive and really mm-hmm. fun. So are these high school kids or college or no, both? College, definitely, and young professionals. Mm-hmm. So um, I have uh, I have 
I have the the Tanglewood kids, so we're doing ten, the, the we're doing the, the we're doing some seminars, weekly mm-hmm. seminars with the Tanglewood kids. So we're trying to come up with a program for them, um, and the, you know, obviously that's very 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 high level trumpet playing, brass yeah. playing. So I'm yeah. involved with, the, with I'm involved with the brass group. So those guys are like you know, they're really they're really you know obviously incredibly high playing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I have the Northwestern kids, and there's some kids that I'm listening to. Um, I have former students um, that who have jobs that are we hear things that they send they just kind of randomly send me things mm. and I try to be a jerk and tell them how bad they're not as good as you you're not as good as you think you are and you're still not as good as me <laughs> you know then they laugh you know so, man you know, can I can I come study with you because I need to hear <laughs> you're not as good as me you know you gotta play yeah. better than me even though like they kind of can but I'm not gonna let them know that <laughs> yeah yeah okay so you mentioned Northwestern and I think both Dave and Michael uh, they both teach there as well, and, and now I'm curious, how does that work? Do you fly in for a yeah. two days or and then back basis? Know, it, could be, it could be a it could be a week. It depends on this, how the schedule uh, pans out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, now you're not often, sharing students, are you? Yeah. Oh, so the, we're following the trombone model um, at Northwestern, which. I know has been successful because we get the Tanglewood kids and we get a lot of trombone players from Northwestern. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can hear that it's successful. So we decided to give it a shot, you know, and see how it worked for us. And we we like each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Channing Philbrick too. He's he plays in the Lyric Opera Chicago. Right. Um, so we like each other, and um, like Dave and Mike, Michael and I are kind of you know the old guard a little bit, you know, right now. <laughs> um, so we, we we decided to follow the trombone model. So we we all of us teach all the kids, and and uh, it's been kind of interesting. Is I th- I think it's actually working well because the kids are successful. So that's mm-hmm. that's proof in the pudding. And then um, yeah. So uh, do you all follow kind of that uh, Chickowitz mindset, or are, we, are there some individual voices there? Um, and we seem to. But you know, Michael is heavily influenced by Stamp, and I was heavily influenced by Chickowitz, and he and I have talked about it. It's very similar stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. not rocket science. It's you know, <laughs> so like, so some of the kids come in with the, their Stamp warm up, and some of the kids come up with Chickowitz warm up. But Michael and I still apply what we know, you know, mm-hmm. to that warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think we're like focusing in on kind of a. Um, like I had a couple kids this year. Like, okay, start off with the the stamp buzzing routine and that stuff, and then move to the Chickawood stuff. And it, like, there's, I don't know. I think we're kind of slowly coming up with a little like a routine, um, but it works. And then David is more Chicago and Chickawoods, you know. Um, but we all serve kind of different purposes. Like, you know, having studied with Chickawoods and Jacobs for as much as I did, I spent a lot of time. With the setup and the breathing and the in bo- the position and the ease of playing, and then um, then Michael's really great at like problem solving and finding stuff to you know to fix things. Mm-hmm. And he has a he has a he's a very um, he's a very strong uh, daily routine. And then David is just like just so knowledgeable about the mm-hmm. solo literature and the, it, so it seems to work really well. Well, I would think as a student, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm thinking this is like the best of every every possible well, that's situation. I, that's, what, that's what we think, you know, mm-hmm. but we're biased because we're all legends <laughs> in our own minds. You know, we all think we're the best, you know, so like yeah. like all you trumpet players, you know, we're all right. legends, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah. Whatever. Well, I mean, that fits the, the title of this podcast, you know, HFL, which originally meant higher, faster, louder. Oh, okay. I cha- I like I, yeah. Well, but I changed it a few months ago to hear from legends, which I think oh, is. But it could be both. It is both. It's whatever you want it to be. Yeah, you're right. It is both. What am I saying? Yeah, and and Jeff Kerno, uh, I had him guess the first time I interviewed total, him. Total loser, by the way. So. Uh, uh, he's he was like, um, <laughs> tell hand, him I said that. Handle Frank and Poland something else. Yeah, I will tell him. I tell you what. What a what a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, they all are. You know, it's just that's what yeah, I'm finding out is. Yeah, in the and the it feels like the. The better the the better the player is, the more humble and uh, vulnerable and sweet they are. So, uh. and you know that's an interesting thing, um, the vulnerability. I've and not that I'm trying to get people to reveal, you know, certain things about themselves, but it, people are are pretty open and sometimes yeah. really open themselves up, and it's it's very cool is not the right word. It's. Um, Boy, I'll, it's a good thing I get to edit on this end of it. You know, um, it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Because you yeah. realize the humanity in all of us yeah. at yeah. that point. Yeah. You know, it it brings that legendary status down for just a second. Yeah. You know, to we're all we're all suffering or in, in uh, we're on the same journey in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so true. It's so true. And the minute, yeah. the minute we get too big for our, our britches, I have a student who definitely gets too big for his britches and. Um, <laughs> And I just, I'm just mean to him, you know, because he, he knows I love him, but like, I'm just, I have to be mean to him. Mm-hmm. And then I have another student who's every bit as talented and she is so, you know, humble, you know, mm-hmm. and so and mm-hmm. she has to, it's like, it's, it's interesting. We all like, um, it's hard to find the right trumpet attitude when you have, I guess I'm segueing into another topic. Sorry about that, Larry, but it's hard. No, to that's like, great. Like, I feel like people, like, you can act, you can be however you want with your own personal life and your own personal relationships and your personality, but when the trumpet is in your hand, you have to find the right trumpet personality that works mm. for you, you know? And, like, if you're a, a, a sweet, unassuming woman who plays, plays crazy good, then maybe that sweet, unassuming woman should be a little more of a jerk, you know, when she has the trumpet in the hand. Mm-hmm. This is the, and it can be a man too. I have a, I have a student, uh, a young man, a talented kid, and he's a total pleaser. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I have a son who's a total pleaser. He's a total ple- like he wants everybody. It's like I keep telling, him, like, you know, like you need to, like, you know, you have to have an attitude with the trumpet. Yeah. You need to have the trouble in your hand, and you you're gonna kick Rolf's butt. You're gonna play this better than Rolf's. <laughs> that's what you needed. He said, "Oh no, Mr. Rolf's, I couldn't." You know, just you know, ah, stop here. Right. You know, you, when I was your age, I was like trying to, you know, play circles around the, my teachers. You know, and they yeah. wanted me. That's what you want. You know. Um, you know, you you mentioned um, the female trumpet player. I interviewed Carol Reinhardt yesterday yeah. morning yeah. and then Tina Helseth right after that. Oh, wow. wow. And, um, but it, Carol is one of those that, holy cow, when she put the horn up, it was, it, it didn't matter, you know, what yeah. gender it was, yeah. but just spectacular playing. Yeah. But yeah. when I, when I was talking to her, it was like talking to my grandmother. It really? was this, oh my gosh, it was just the, the most yeah. pleasant thing, you know, and it, it, I think I've got some students who are, uh, um, professed introverts, and I think you can't really be an introvert and play yeah, the trumpet, no, you can you? Yeah. Uh, unless well, you know. But like you're saying, when you pick up the horn, 
then yeah. you assume that attitude that, yeah, that you need. Something else comes in there. You, yeah. have, you have to be a little uh, out, out in front. You know? Yeah. You know, so you think, uh, going back to your journey through from fourth trumpet up to principal, and think the va of the value, though, of, of experiencing fourth trumpet and then third. And so now as principal, you understand even better the roles of everybody in the section. And does it makes yeah. that easier to lead, right? Yeah, it does. And if I forget, I have three really good friends in the section who uh, remind me <laughs> because mm -hmm. they're, they're, I haven't always been, you know, kind. You know, um, because you know when you're under stress, sometimes you, you, you know. But for the but, you know, but I have really great friends that sit. Yeah. Around, so um, I, yeah. And I I think we have a level of trust. And, um, but who knows? Maybe you'll talk to them and they'll have a couple of different stories. But you know, it's interesting though. Trust is is huge. And knowing that you can uh, not just count on somebody to show up knowing their part, but uh, having the right attitude about it. And yeah. Well, um, I know that I can count on the fact when it, we're in the middle of rehearsal and I quickly sneak off stage to grab a pencil that when I come back, Mike Martin will be sitting in my chair. That's an old joke in the trumpet <laughs> section, ready to play all the solos. Uh, and right. I come back and he kind of goes, oh. Damn it! Uh, now, um, okay, when you're gone, who who uh, goes up to play principal? Tom Siders. Yeah. 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 And spectacular, spectacular player. Yeah. But sometimes he sounds too good, so I told him I'm not going to let him play any of the good stuff. Anymore. And now, when, um, not, now when people in the orchestra tell me how good I sounded last week when I was on vacation, I just say thank you, thank you very much. That's and I go, then I go to Tom and I said, Tom, thanks for sounding good last week. They thought it was yeah. me, so that's good. Yeah. I should get a raise, Tom. Thank you very much. You know, it's both at the uh, at the same time. You leave and you think, oh my gosh, they're going to sound better than me. But it, then it's also comforting knowing that everything's yeah. in good hands, right? Yeah, I, I make light of it, but I, it, I, you know, I've been doing it. Well, I'm past that kind of stuff in my career because, like, honest, and I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If like, if if Andres called me and said, Tom, you know, you have a great career, you know, like I, I would get a, I would get a, I would buy a really expensive bottle of whiskey, and I'd say, okay, now we, you need to have a drink with me and toast my great career, and because like I have a full life, but but you know. Mm -hmm. Until that happens, until someone gives me a little hint that maybe I should not play, then I'm going to just keep mm -hmm. playing. So mm -hmm. um, not, I'm not sure what happens when you decide to stop playing. I'm not sure what that. I mean, everyone wants to be the person that the guy or the gal that retires before anybody is begging you to retire. But you right. know, it's harder. That's easier said than done. Yeah. So. Well, I've often said I'm going to play taps at my own funeral. That's yeah. how long I'm going to play. <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah. I, but I, but I, I don't know that that's true. I bet I told Ben Wright that I was gonna be I was gonna be speaking at his retirement dinner, which means I'm speaking as it means I'm still playing. You know? Right? Um, you know that section um, and Mike Martin. Uh, I know the most about him because I've got a student who marches with Cavaliers. Yeah. And he is just thrilled every time he goes to a camp. Of course, not yeah. this summer. And uh, people like you know Mike show up and and are involved with things yeah. and. But that's a good feeling for me, knowing that you know the the kids are getting good instruction, solid instruction while they're there. So, did you ever do drum corps by any chance? Did you ever no. follow that path? No. 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 Um, was what was that path? It was it a, a school playing, band to start with. I played in bands. Mm -hmm. You know, like a lot of other kids had a really great high school band director, kind of you know, 
In fact, he didn't want me to play uh, the marching band because he was worried about, you know, he said, I'm not going to be the one to ruin that sound, you know. So yeah, yeah. Not that that would happen, but he didn't, he thought, I, he, he didn't want me to play. And, and, you know, like, back in those days in the Midwest, you know, there were lots of musicians, you know. They, it's not like today on the East Coast, anyway, where, they, where they're scrambling to find a full band. Yeah. Now, when you say band, are you talking the, the, about the orchestras? Concert band. Concert band, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all I did when I was a kid. I didn't play orchestras. I played uh, orchestra in freshman year, and then I played orchestra the summer at Tangled. And I was a Tangled fellow the summer after my freshman year. So mm -hmm. that, that was that was kind of a, a rude awakening. See, I bought a C trumpet so I could audition for Tanglewood, and then I bought a piccolo trumpet like a like a couple months before Tanglewood so I could go to Tanglewood. You know? so mm -hmm. it it's not like today where all the kids know everything. I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know you could make a living in music. I mean, I had a kind of a foggy idea that you could. And then I go to Tanglewood and it's like, wow, these kids are taking this seriously. Like they're actually mm -hmm. really trying, trying to do this and I'm just kind of messing around. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, I came back with a renewed kind of vigor um, and uh, ambition to, to actually make a living in music. Mm -hmm. So the fourth position wasn't your first job though? In Boston. St. Paul Chamber Orchestra. Yeah, St. Paul Chamber Orchestra played second trumpet there. With okay. a really, and it was with Pink, Pinky was there when I, at the beginning, and then it was Hugh mm -hmm. Wolf, and it was a really good orchestra. Really, actually, it was a great orchestra with really great players. Um, like Pinky hired all the players, and um, yeah, really, yeah. So that, and, and like, it was a great first job because, you know, we just played a lot of the classical literature, and you like just micromanaged. I mean, a lot of young players don't play the classical literature that well. Um, well, that's an overstatement. I should. I'm giving you a broad. I feel mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. all players could spend more time playing, just playing. You know, the classical literature. You know, fifths and t octaves and t in tune, in time, with the right character and the right blend, and it's a great way to learn how to play in an orchestra. And then. Mm -hmm. The bigger stuff, but mm -hmm. obviously all, all the young brass players start with the big stuff, and then as an afterthought, they learn how to play the classical literature. You know, as much fun as I have playing Mahler, I still think playing Beethoven is my favorite. Yeah, you know, and because of because of that, I think it is is as much a challenge. You know, you so you've got fifteen, twenty, thirty repeated C's in a row. Yeah. But the challenge is to make every one of those sound exactly like they're supposed yeah. to sound yeah. the whole way through. And uh, so, you know, and I, I enjoy Beethoven anyways. You know, it's great music. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so do you get a chance to play uh, chamber music as much anymore? Or is it all just full symphonic yeah, works? I mean, we, we had a brass, a BSO brass quintet that was working for a while. That, that was fun. And um, but no, a lot of it's orchestra. Um but with a dabbling of solos, dabble, dabble, dabbling a little bit with some ensembles, you know. Mm -hmm. But you know, obviously, my most of my job is playing in the orchestra. Well, speaking of solos, have you soloed with uh, the BSO? Yeah, yeah. In, in this, all, like the Haydn Hummel, or yeah, all the standards. The twenty, um, um, the the, the less of solos like Quiet City and the Martin, and oh gosh, I don't know. Then I played. Uh, the Mark Turnage piece with Holkin for two trumpets, and then I had then I have I had a um, I have a, a commission that the orchestra commissioned um, by a, a German opera composer Detlef Glanert, which so I uh, so I've already done that with the TMC and I was 
or it's with a tangled kid. So now I'm supposed mm-hmm. to do it this fall to be a soap, but now I have no idea where that is. And, uh, right. and uh, mm-hmm. it might not happen now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. So going back to Tanglewood, were you there uh, during any of the Empire days? No, that was before my time. I was a student there. I was a student there, and I knew Rolf Smedvig's younger sister really well, so mm-hmm. she would bring me over to Rolf's house. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Rolf was such a what a what a talent! Oh my goodness gracious! You know? <laughs> I used to tell Tim that he copied Rolf and I copied Tim. You know, so basically I copied <laughs> Rolf. Well, so Tim would have been there. It would have been after he in the BSO. He would have been there after his stint with Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was when I was a student. You know, a fellow. It was, gosh, I don't know who. Wait, well, Roth was still in the orchestra, so maybe it was you know. So I think it was the beginning of the days of the Empire. Mm-hmm. The Empire was, was Roth and Norman Bolter, you know, and that mm-hmm. the very first group. Mm-hmm. And then when I joined the orchestra as a player, Empire was different. Roth was still there, but it was a different kind of a thing. So. Yeah. Uh, so we're bouncing around a little bit here, but I'm thinking, uh, I, I want to ask, like, so you're coming through up through concert bands, like, like most of us, you know, high school bands and such. Um, who were your influences? Who were you able to listen to, uh, either live or on recording? Like when I was in middle school? and, and uh, Sure, any, and, any of that. And I would pretend like I was sick, so... My, so I could stay home and be by myself and listen to all the LPs my dad had collected. <laughs> so the guys I would listen to that my dad liked, a lot of Doc Severinsen. Mm. Um, in fact, later in my career, one of my when I've been my fiftieth birthday, birthday, my my dad arranged through Toby Oft, my friend in the Prince of Trombone, to get Doc to sign all those old LPs that I used. Mm-hmm. My, my dad loved Dizzy Gillespie, so I listened to lots of Dizzy Gillespie. My dad loved the Dukes of Dizzy Dixieland, Albert, mm-hmm. uh, Louis Armstrong. You know, those mm-hmm. are the players, those are the recordings he had around the house that I would yeah. try to pretend to be sick and stay home and listen to them. Well, a nice variety, too. And then, and then in, in high school, my dad had... Um, there's that series of uh, greatest hits. The Columbia Records put it out. Dvorak's greatest hits, you know, mm-hmm. Beethoven's, and I and I listened to all those, and that was my first. And I, and that's, I always had, I really loved that that mm-hmm. sound. I, I ended up liking it more than the stuff I had listened to previously. I really, it, I, I love the way an orchestra sounds. I'm sorry, I love the way a trumpet sounds in an orchestra, like just kind of like soaring over the top, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it still gives me, I still get goosebumps from, and I'll, yeah, it's still really exciting to me, that sound. Yeah. Well, and we get to play so many roles, right? It is it is the soaring sound, but then it's like the opening to academic festival, right? When you get yeah, to I just... Want more, I want more lyrical solos. I'm kind of jealous of the oboe and the horn. They get all the really beautiful solos. I get tired of hearing them. I think I, I think those should be, I think those should be uh, tr- trumpet solos. I think that those should, they should just become trumpet solos. Have you told them that? Went, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's like what a waste of good music that's in the oboe part it should be in the trumpet part. Yeah, they're never going to hear it, right? Yeah, and, and plus everyone knows the most talented musician in the orchestra is always the trumpet player. So it should be the trumpet player playing the beautiful melodies. We all know this, don't we? All know this, at least in our little group right here. We know this. We we do, but I think it's it's such a chore to convince the rest of the world. Well, it seems you know, there's... obvious, but you know, they're idiots. Yeah. Um, did you know uh, Marvin Perry, Chappie Perry at all? No. Uh, he was no. my teacher at Butler. He was he was principal with the Indianapolis Symphony for uh, forty one years. 
And uh, when I was studying with him, he was telling me, now, look, it's your responsibility to lead the orchestra. You take, <laughs> you, you take control of time. You're, you know, you do this. And, and I believed it. And he, he meant it in a way and not like, you know, you're the boss. Yeah. But he helped me understand my role in that. And, yeah. um, and I took it seriously. And there are times where I feel like uh, I really do want to take over. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's not my, that's not my real job. I do, I do like driving the bus sometimes. Well, you know? it is a loud instrument. And um, I think it, I think the first trumpet can um, possibly ruin a concert faster than any other instrument. You know, it's, it's certainly in that group of instruments that can ruin. That's, and that's probably why the trumpet's almost always one of the higher paid players of the orchestra, because they can ruin a concert faster than, you know, it's like a negative, a negative incentive, you know. For, oh, no, maybe they're paying you to, look, we know you can mess up. We're going to pay you enough money to incentivize you to not mess up. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. I was, yeah. I was stating it poorly, but that's, yeah. So, but like, I do think like, at least within the brass section, it's my job to, you know, set the set the pitch and rhythm and the brass section should go with me. If, mm -hmm. if I'm not doing it well, they should talk to me at, you know, at, at the break and mm -hmm. tell me I'm doing, which, you know, you know, definitely my, they'll tell me. And then, but on the stage when you're actually doing it, it's like you have to kind of go with what I'm doing. Otherwise, you know, someone has to, someone has to kind of lead, you know. And, you of know, course, by, de by default, by default, it's often the first trumpet, and, and then I have to be kind of in communication with the principal timpani, um, you know, because he also feels he's leading. So we have, mm -hmm. we, you know, he and I are we're pretty in sync. You know? Yeah. Every once in a while, we get stuck on something, and we kind of glare at each other. But you know. We go on we go on fishing trips together, so we're fine. Nice. <laughs> this is just a quick sponsor break to remind you to check out Messina Covers for great custom case options, Eastman Winds and SE Shires for exceptional quality from the professional model to the beginner model, Hammond Design for their incredible HD experience, and of course Pickett Blackburn providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. Now back to today's guest. So, uh, and I'm not asking you to, to name names, but does anybody ever step on the podium that kind of makes it really difficult? Um, yeah. Yeah, there are some con some conductors that are great rehearsers and they they do a great job of, um, of, of uh, tuning the orchestra and getting everybody in time. And then they, like rehearsal, they, they kind of micromanage, which is really good for the orchestra. And then the next rehearsal, they micromanage a little more, and then pretty soon they're breaking down phrases. And then by the time you get to the concert, there's, there's like it's you're so tight and it's not flowing very well. Yeah. But then the next week we sound really good because you know like the benefit <laughs> of the work of you know so right. yeah so some some composers and then um, you, usually you can find positive things and as I said composers I meant conductors usually you can find positive things with different conductors fortunately with the BSO we almost always get really really good conductors so oh, of it's course not like, yeah. not like a lot of orchestras so you know week after week they're, you know even the conductors that we're not as happy with are still really good conductors you know, so mm -hmm. and there's also the element of how people 
I mean, we there are mu there are there's a music director of another major orchestra that conducted us, and it just wasn't a good fit. It's just mm -hmm. not a good fit, you know. Like so, mm -hmm. there is that too. There's the personality of the orchestra and the personality of the conductor that sometimes is good and sometimes it's just not good. It's not a good mm -hmm. fit. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, but you were there with uh, Ozawa. Yeah, I loved Ozawa. Uh, how many how many years under his baton? Oh, I don't know. Ninety. Uh, that's a really good question, Larry. Um, well, and I guess the question more, really more is... Than, more than 10, less than 15. Yeah, and I guess the question that follows is, you know, what was it like when he said goodbye, you know, because that's well, such a great relationship there. It's funny because when he, when he you know, when, when a conductor decides to leave, it's like, you know, what do they say? At the, what's that phrase of the politician, you know, and um, lame duck or whatever. Like, oh, there's, right, right. there's a little bit of, you know, floating and a little... I mean, it's hard to figure out what you're doing. So when he was leaving the, the orchestra, um, the the uh, um, the morale of the orchestra wasn't really high because it was kind of we're in between. Mm -hmm. And at that when he was leaving, we didn't. I still didn't. We didn't have a, a music director to replace him. I don't think. Mm -hmm. So I, I look back at that time, thinking, yeah, that was a weird time. But then, like with this, uh, with with you know the BSOs and the online presence they have, they they. They presented a recording of Seiji's last concert, very loud, which was Mahler Nine. Mm. And it was it was great. It was mm -hmm. great. So I'm looking back. I'm like, wow, I don't remember it that way, but this is great. <laughs> Seiji was just great, and you know, mm -hmm. the orchestra sounded so great. It was like I, I listened to it a couple times. I just couldn't believe how you know because I don't mm -hmm. remember because I remember that being those being uncertain times and unsettled times and then mm -hmm. I listen to the orchestra and that's not what was coming out of the mm -hmm. off the stage yeah I've learned through these interviews to it's a silly question to ask you know what was a highlight because there's so many yeah there are. and you know so but I'm gonna ask it anyways you know what's what's uh, a real highlight that you've had there well um, the highlight well I, I do have a lot and like I'll have students send me stuff that I did 20 years ago that I don't even remember doing, and I think, wow, I, you know, I like how I played that when I was a, <laughs> when I was a baby, you know, when I was young. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but the highlights would be, I guess, I don't know, like if you look at highlights as as a moment of like for a growing mo growing opportunity where you, like one of the singular moments would have been when I uh, played um, the Summon the Hero solo at the Fourth of July concert. Yeah. Front in front of a hundred thousand people on the grounds and who, who knows how many 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 million people on tv and it was live with no cuts no retakes mm -hmm, nothing mm -hmm. so it was a lot of a lot of stress and you know I, you know um i mentioned this story to other people so forgive me if, I, if i'm repeating myself for some people but i was i was scared shitless and um <laughs> and i i was and right before me was a lincoln portrait and the narrator was you remember Peter Jennings, the news broadcaster, oh, yeah. big famous name, like really respected journalist, and mm. I think it was ABC Evening News. Mm. And he's he was a small a chain smoker. He's in front of me, he's smoking, and he looks at me and goes, "Hey, hey, hey, Tom, are you are you nervous?" Because he was getting ready to go on, and I said, "I said, oh, Peter, I'm scared shitless." He said, "Yeah, me too." And then he, put, oh my, he goes on stage, and I'm thinking, "Well, oh, 
Peter Jennings is nervous too. I guess I guess, I guess, I, I guess I'll be okay, you know. So, yeah, yeah. so that was kind of like one of those moments where you where you don't think you have enough to like do what you what you need to do, and then it, yeah. you find out, oh, I, I have enough to do what I need to do. So, yeah. Did you have to play Lincoln Portrait right before that? No, I just played. Oh, my whole job was to play the Summer of the Heroes. So okay, so. I was. Yeah, I kind of wonder about that. You know, sometimes music directors don't. Uh, don't appreciate yeah. the, what it takes well, to focus. They do here. They do yeah. here. So we don't have that problem. Yeah, and I say that because the one time I played Brandenburg, it was on the second half of a concert. Yeah. But I also had to play water music and fireworks on the first half. Yeah. See, that wouldn't happen here though. And That's plus, just like if I was a, whatever I did in the Brandenburg, the artistic advisor would come up to me. So we're thinking of doing the Brandenburg. You know, how, how do you feel about that? How can we make this work for you? You know. So mm -hmm. I, we have really, but we have. We have really great management. Everyone knows. Everyone in the industry knows how great Boston management is. So yeah, it just stuff like that doesn't happen. So yeah, like even like with the online stuff, uh, he called me just this summer and said, um, "So we're thinking of um, we, we're going to use a recording of Mahler three from two years ago, and we like to present it for our series this summer. Mm -hmm. But I want to make sure you are okay with the with the performance." Yeah. And I said, I actually, you know, I don't need to listen to it. I, I remember that performance, and I was really happy. I think mm -hmm. we were all really happy. So, so mm -hmm. great. Okay, you know, like so, we, so we, you know, we're actually, we actually feel respected <clears throat> by management, and a lot of yeah. people don't. Well, there's an awful lot of, especially right now, with management making yeah. some really harsh decisions with other yeah, workers. I'm, I'm glad I'm not a manager right now. I'd be, I'd, yeah. I'd be losing sleep over it. Yeah. Um, so, but currently, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting around for a manager to say, "Okay, Tom, time to play." Okay, thanks. I've had a really good summer, by the way. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, is the BSO uh, off for a period know. of time? Like you, nobody said anything. Nope. I know some major orchestras are starting up in the fall. Some of are doing some stuff this summer. Other major orchestras have canceled the fall. So I, I don't know yeah. where we are. Yeah. And like. I'm pretty sure they'll wait until the last moment to make a decision, as I think they should. You know, to yeah. kind of, you know, not make a decision until they absolutely have to. Right. Well, it's tough. Uh, the here in the Midwest, um, almost all of the regional orchestras have canceled at least until January. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, if for a lot of freelancers like me, you know, this is a really tough, tough time. It's yeah. Really tough time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard for the freelancers. Yeah, but you know, I feel for the other guys too. Everybody with a you know full time symphony job. I mean, this is we all enjoy what we do. Yeah, nobody nobody well, wants feel, to be out of work. I feel for the people, my friends in the orchestra, who are like twenty years younger with a young family, and mm -hmm. you know, and I that's that's rough. Mm -hmm. So my mm -hmm. my kids are grown, you know, and they're earning a living, and mm -hmm. so um, yeah. it's a little little less stressful for me, I think, than it yeah. is. The, 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 but, the, but then the opposing side of that argument is, you know, we could be off for a year and those guys still have 20 years left in their career. We could be off for a year and I'm not sure how much I, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. you know, so there's I have that uncertainty. Will I, when I come back, will I still be playing? Okay, you know, you know, and it's like, it's kind of weird. I wonder too, you know, when these groups come back and, it, it, you know, maybe some take part of the summers off, major groups, but when you come back, over that much time, is it going to be the same vibe? Is it how long is it going to take to get that yeah. that cohesion back with an orchestra? And I don't know. Maybe the full time group, um, if everybody's still practicing all day long, you know, it should yeah. be easy, right? 
Right. Yeah, but even like even after you know a regular season, you have you know a three week vacation. The orchestra comes back, and there's a little bit of a you know they'll, they'll be. But it'll, when we first come back, I imagine it'll be a very joyous occasion, and then there'll be a period of adjustment to get back to where we were. But I don't mm -hmm. think it'll take. It's not going to take a season. You know, I bet it'll take you know a month. You know? Sure, sure. Um, I'm going to mention. Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops. That was, uh, my parents had this box set of, I don't know how many albums, maybe like a hundred. Oh, yeah. It's like the best yeah. of. And I remember opening that up and the first trumpet player I ever heard, but I didn't know it at the time, was Al Hurt. You know, he oh, was doing... Haydn? No, it was uh, Trumpeters, uh, uh, oh, Bugler's Holiday, uh, Java, Toy Trumpet. I have that. I have that. Oh, and, Trumpet, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Toy Trumpet. <laughs> Is that Leroy Anderson? I, I don't remember. It, be, it, it sounds like do, him. Larry no, no, that's a uh, toy trumpet. Jenny, who is that? Um, Raymond, Scott. Raymond Scott. Well, I think, Larry, you should call Pops anonymously and say, I, I, a lot of people would like to hear Tom Rolfe play toy trumpet. Hey, wait a minute. Is that a hard solo? I can't remember. No, I think that's the oh, one that harmony. I can do that then. Yeah, it's not a hard <laughs> solo. Yeah, I'll, they'll even write the fingerings in for you. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that, but I, I I have that, or my dad has that recording. So. Yeah. Uh, but I loved, you know, like you were talking. Now I never I never uh, feigned being sick so I could stay home and listen, but I do remember sitting on the floor and putting these on the on the record player and just listening. Yeah. Um, but it was great because my dad was also a fan of uh, Marty Robbins and yeah. Hank Williams Sr. Oh, fun. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, just a wide variety of things. And once I yeah. finally found out who Al Hurt was, I was like, oh my gosh, I, he was the first trumpet player I ever listened to. And yeah, what, yeah, what an amazing yeah. talent, too. I mean, wow. What's the this? sound. And, you know, it's great to have these uh, videos on YouTube to go back and, yeah. and watch and yeah. listen to and play. But the yeah. technique, his technique yeah. was just spectacular. Yeah. 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 yeah, it really was. Well, and what, what was that TV show? Was it Green Hornet? Yeah. Yeah, that's was right. That, he did the theme to that. that. Was yeah. Albert. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't. Can can you do that? I don't. No, think I no, no. I downloaded the music uh, a year or so ago, and, and my kids were like, "Hey, that's Green Hornet," but yeah, it's like he was yeah. drunk. You know, I mean, he's yeah, not going very yeah. fast at all. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, you know, I, I loved listening to to that grow up and growing up. And I mentioned that because you know, for you to be a a part of um, now, you're not playing in the pops anymore. Is that what you said? Well, or occasionally, technically, I'm principal pops, but then when and then Tom and Tom Siders and Mike Martin joined, and um, and then I continued to play principal. But then you know, like I, I, I wanted to sh keep. I want like first of all, Tom and Mike are really great players. I want to I want to give them more to do. They both play pops really well. So then I got to the point where I slid down to fourth, which was fun for a while for mm -hmm. all of us. And then I got mm -hmm. tired of that. So then I then I just took some pop seasons off. Um, but I, but I was talking to Keith Lockhart, and I was just saying, I, you know, I kind of, I miss pops, but I just can't keep up the schedule playing all season with the BSO principal, and then playing a principal, and then he's like thinking, well, you should like come back and play, just two, just pick two weeks to come mm -hmm. back, and that's so nice I to might, get that flexibility. Yeah, I might, I might do that. I might do that. Well, my, it's yeah. my contract. My contract's written in a way that I have that flexibility. But yeah, so I might, I might do that because. 
I really loved um, like this Leroy Anderson stuff, you know, which I know is silly, but I like. Mm-hmm. I really, it, it was really special to me, you know. So. Well, the trumpeter's lullaby is something that I have my students do. Uh, freshmen, yeah. you know, they have to do a, a recital, uh, yeah. you know, and not a full recital, but play on a recital, and it's yeah. easy, either the second movement of the Haydn or trumpeter's lullaby, just something easy. Yeah, it's got a great tune, right, yeah. and not a lot of technical demand in it but yeah. it's also their audience favorites why not play the yeah. stuff that that they're going to love too yeah. yeah well um i'm thinking have you played everything there is or are there still pieces yeah. out there that you uh you're hoping to to see on your stand i pretty much played uh most everything um i mean let's see i'm sure there's things that i would enjoy playing that i haven't played before but i don't know what they are are there pieces you never want to? Well, well, I should say this: like we, we we're doing all the Shostakovich, we're recording all the Shostakoviches with Andres for Deutsche Grammophone, and mm-hmm. we're getting to some symphonies I haven't played before that were really oh, nice, really really fun. And then we have some more next year that I haven't played, and we have I think we're doing Shostakovich Lady Macbeth, maybe. Although mm-hmm. I did play that many years ago, but it, mm-hmm. it'll be pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course, there are things I would like to play that I haven't played. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't do, in the BSO, we don't, or a lot of works, I think they've lost, um, they don't do as much Hindemith as they used to. So, mm-hmm. Hindemith I'd like to do. Um, the BSO, for some reason, doesn't do as much John Adams as other orchestras. I, mm-hmm. I've actually put in a request to my friend who's the artistic, you know, can we do more John Adams, you know, mm-hmm. just having cheese and crackers and wine. Mm-hmm. And then someone asked me, if there's one thing, there's something in the rep, same question you just asked. And I said, well, I, I'd like to do more John Adams, you know, with the right conductor, because mm-hmm. some of this mm-hmm. stuff is really, really incredibly exciting. Um, is yeah, that so, Dr. Yeah. Atomic? Is that one of those? I, the yeah, Dr. Atomic something? Yeah. 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 We, we've done that. Um, that was really David Robertson brought that, and that was really really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, there's stuff we could do. Yeah, I think the only thing I played of that is a short ride, and I did it three times in one season with yeah. three different orchestras, and oh, it is a lot. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be my well, my favorite. Giancarlo Guerrero brought it, and I can't remember the name of the piece, but it was it was mesmerizing um, how he did it, John. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Well, um, the teaching is going to resume. I mean, it's already going on through the summer. You've got some students. Uh, but what does Northwestern look like? Is that uh, they're going to do we'll the... Be, we'll be... The out-of-towners will be online. Mm-hmm. We'll be... Mm-hmm. So they don't want us going back and forth. Yeah. Um, so we'll be online for the yeah. fall and probably the winter, too. Yeah. Well, I know there's still so much unknown. And... Uh, yeah. The university I work for, I kind of wish they would just decide uh, one way or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but at least I'm going to get to teach. I've, I've already made a request, and I'm going to teach online for the fall semester. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Teaching online is it's fine. I I, I was I dreaded it when it when it started in the spring. I was <laughs> had a lot of anxiety about it. I almost offered. I almost told Bilger, yeah, I'll I'll just give you my. And you want to make some extra money? I'll give you my, you know, but then I just, then my wife said, oh, you're such a baby. Said, okay, I'll try. But then I had fun. Actually, I actually yeah. enjoyed it because the kids and the teachers were all in the same boat. We're all trying to make this work and trying to. Right, right. So. You know, thank goodness for Zoom. I mean, or, or yeah. FaceTime, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. we use. Yeah. But uh, because I think 
if we didn't have this ability to still connect with students. Yeah. It, I think it'd be disastrous for everybody. But also, like, I don't know about you, but like with friends, too. I, I, I have weekly Zoom meets with really close friends. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't talk this much, you know, before. <laughs> yeah. We're almost getting tired of each other now, you know, my, yeah. friend, my oldest friends. So. Yeah. Well, um, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, so. I I appreciate you sharing everything. This is a nice insight to uh, Maestro Rolfs and Maestro. And, uh, that's right. Yeah, uh, that is right, baby. Maestro. So, so I'm not going to have anything. to edit. I don't. I don't think I was controversial. This, not at all. Not at all. I had one blog interview where I was on medication and I had to redo it. So. Um, okay, let's talk about something controversial. Just uh, okay. uh, three C or one and a half C, which is oh. better. Um, oh, those are both really great mouthpieces, though. So I'm, I, <laughs> See, I, there you go. <laughs> I think you play a one and a half C on your C trumpet and a three C on your E flat trumpet. That would be a really great combination. Okay. Well, there's no controversy there. <laughs> if you like a little more rounded rim, one and a quarter C with an old style. I don't know. So yeah, mouthpieces. <laughs> yeah. Some guys still play one Cs, like friends of mine who are really successful players. Yeah. But I haven't seen a young player play a one C in quite a while. Yeah, I, I found that I've gotten older. Uh, I don't need the big equipment. It's actually a little more comfortable uh, on the smaller side. Well, you don't have to work as hard, you know. So. Yeah. Well, I, as I moved up through the section, I had to change. My, I realized that I, I had bad mouthpieces all along, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so, um, so when I became principal, I finally did the, the proper work and found something that worked for me, mm -hmm. as opposed to just because I studied like when I was studying chick was he didn't like talking about mouthpieces, so I just mm -hmm. kind of ad adopted that, you know. Actually, mm -hmm. Dave Baldwin did talk mouthpieces. You know, like I just, you know. Whatever you sound good on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, some guys, you know, barely, I mean, they kind of know what they're playing, but they don't, like, if someone were to ask them, they go, oh, let's see, I think it's, you know, like they're not, you know. Right, right. But other, one, other guys are just total geekheads about what, what equipment. Yeah, so, yeah. But I found as I moved up through the section, I had to be more particular with, with, with my equipment. Sure. Hey. Make, it, make it through a season, you know. Yeah. And so is it pretty consistent? I mean, the, the trumpets and, and mouthpieces you use? Yeah. 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 Very, very consistent. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's a, here's a quick question because uh, the difference between, I don't want to say legit, straight orchestral concerts and pops. I love playing B flat on pops, but it seems like everybody wants to play C trumpet, even yeah, there. That's, that's really funny. That's a good question because um, I, uh, when I did uh, Trumpeter's Lullaby, my friend Bruce Hall, he's a really, really successful freelancer in Boston and a really great player and a great friend, but he called me and I said, he said, Tom, I am so impressed with Trumpeter's Lullaby. And I said, started thinking he was going to compliment me. I said, well, thank you very much, Bruce. I appreciate that. And he said, you actually played B-flat trumpet in public. I went to school in Chicago and um, it's all C trumpet there. Right. Right. Trumpet. Then I came to Boston, and Tim's playing a B flat, and Bruce Hall's playing a B flat, and Pierce playing a B flat. And I hated playing, so I had to like learn how to play B flat. I mean, I was <laughs> so uncomfortable on B flat, but I had to learn because it's pops, you know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like, and, and what they did when I joined is like, you know, the the pops repertoire that was written for B flat trumpet. We played B flat trumpet, and then mm -hmm. any any orchestral stuff, we pulled out the C trumpet. You know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I had to kind of learn how to do that, and they, they, you know, the old timers still tease me about it because when I first yeah. got there. Yeah, but I like that approach. You know, I think well, if they, you know, the, either the composer or the ranger uh, orchestrator chose that instrument, and maybe it was arbitrary. You know, maybe it was whatever popped up in Funali or Sibelius, right? Yeah. But yeah. I thought, you know, if they've got this certain sound in mind, 
Yeah. Maybe I try that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so like I, so Trumpeter's Lullaby, I had to play it on B flat trumpet. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Some of the heroes was written in C, and that's how you hear it. I played that on C trumpet. So. Yeah. But I've seen uh, several people play that on e, on e flat. They say it lays great on E flat. On some of the heroes. Yeah. Oh, such cowards. Don't, don't tell me it's some friend of mine, or I'll be. Really I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm I don't not, want to know who it was. I'm not gonna let's, say. Let's <laughs> just let's just stop this. <laughs> now we are getting into the controversial yeah, stuff. So. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for this morning. I really appreciate okay, it. Okay, there. Yeah, it was fun. Sounds great. Okay. So, all right, stay healthy. Please. Okay, you too. Yeah, thanks very much. Okay, take care. Right. Bye bye. And that's where today's interview with Tom ends, but there is more to be heard. I took a small story out of this interview and made that available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. If you'd like to get access to that and other exclusive content, you can find out more at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And again, to those who are already patrons, thank you for your continued support. Another reminder to visit Apple Podcast and to leave both a star rating and a review, and please visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of Powell Music and has been supported by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, S.E. Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickett Blackburn. Once again, I'm your host, Larry Powell, and grateful you spent some time here with Tom Rolfs. Be sure to come back for the next interview with the one and only Eugene Watts, founding and former member of the Canadian Brass. See you next time.